So John 6, we're going to start reading at verse 25, and we'll go right through to 59. So John 6 from verse 25. When they found him, Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me, and still you don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he's given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is a bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give you for the life of the world. Uh, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you can eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. 
So please uh, keep that open if you have it with you. What would you say uh, people are thirsting after? If you adapt, there are, maybe there are one. But are there any Sheffield Wednesday fans in here this morning? If you're a Sheffield Wednesday fan, you're... So no, no. <laughs> I know you're not, but <laughs> that might be a surprise visitor. But uh, if you were, you'd be uh, thirsting. Well, a goal would be good, but a, a win would be even better. But uh, in seriousness, people are thirsting after all sorts of things, aren't they? Uh, so lots of people are thirsting after climate justice. They feel that we've uh, messed up the climate and we're at some point of no return and somebody should pay for that. Lots of people these days are thirsting after identity. They want to say who they are and attach a label to themselves to give them some value. Lots of people are thirsting for a great experience or an escape uh, in drugs and alcohol. Lots of people are searching for a sexual experience. People think they can have peace in their heart through having these experiences or enough money or the right relationship. And of course, there's some good in some of that. But what do people really need to be satisfied and to have peace and joy? Uh, whether they're in Japan, in the UK, or anywhere in the world, they need one thing, don't they? Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Do you know the Jesus who satisfies our soul this morning? Because there are millions of people out there, and we walk among them every day, don't we? Who are looking for satisfaction and for real life. Are we telling them you can find that in Jesus? And in this morning's story, we've got people who are literally thirsty and hungry. But just before today's passage, I had the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is teaching on a mountainside with probably more than 5,000 people in front of him. And he says to the disciples, oh, where are we going to get lunch? And they say, oh, this is a stupid question. How on earth would we do that? But he takes a, what is basically a pat lunch and feeds 5,000 people uh, with lots left over. Jesus was feeding the hungry crowd. Uh, but this crowd wouldn't give up. Because uh, the next day they're still thirsting. They're looking for Jesus, trying to find him all over the place. They go back to the hillside where he was yesterday, but he's gone. And in fact, what confused them was he'd miraculously walked across the lake nearby to the other side. But eventually they get on some boats uh, and they find him. They're thirsting to track him down. And eventually they do in his hometown of Capernaum where he's teaching. And they talk to him face to face, and it seems like there's a mixture of two people there when they meet him in today's passage. There's ordinary people, like in the crowd, who were fed, and there's some Jewish teachers who have come to find out what is this guy really about, what is he really saying? Uh, do we need to be concerned about him? These people are thirsting for Jesus. Uh, but when he starts to talk to them, He's uh, straight with them. He says, you're thirsting after lots of things, but you've missed the one thing that will satisfy you. He says, you need to believe in me and be saved. So in today's passage, it's great joy because here is the thing that will satisfy. Uh, here is the thing, if you're thirsting and hungry, that will satisfy anyone in the world. Are we satisfied? 
Do we know what it is to be satisfied in Jesus? Are we saying that to the world in Thatcham or Newbury or Watford or Japan or wherever it is? Are we saying here's satisfaction? But I want to look at this from three angles this morning. Uh, First, Jesus talks about some things that don't satisfy. Uh, Secondly, we see that what satisfies is crazy. Uh, And thirdly, I want to think for a minute how amazing Jesus is. So we're going to look at things that don't satisfy, the craziness of what satisfies, uh, and then we learn to reflect on how amazing that is. So this crowd finds Jesus in verse 25, and they ask him about his journey to Capernaum. But he ignores that, basically, and gets straight to the point we're talking about today. And this conversation gives us a list of things that these people are thirsting for in the wrong direction. Verse 26, Jesus says, you're looking for another good meal. Stop thirsting in material, for material things that will be here today and gone tomorrow, he says. But work for real food. Okay, they say, verse 27, show us the work to do. We like working for things that satisfy. There is something good in that. We go to work every day and we come home and we rest and that feels like the right thing. But no, he says, work won't get you what you want. Okay, verse 30, they say, show us some more miracles. If we have God's power exploding around us all the time, uh, that'll be enough for us. But Jesus is thinking, hang on a minute. Yesterday, you were with me on the mountainside. And I fed 5,000 people. And they went around with the baskets and gathered it up. And it was overflowing. And you're now you're saying, you want another miracle. You've seen a miracle just a day before. He says, you need to look for me. I'm the bread of heaven that will leave you satisfied in a way that bubbles up to eternal life that nothing else can come close to doing. Uh, And the Jewish teachers hear this and they can't stay quiet any longer. This is their time to go and try and sort out Jesus. And if he's saying the wrong thing, well, we'll trap him and we'll we'll get him sorted out. So they start to argue with him. Verse 42, what people are thirsting for can't be a filthy, weak, ordinary human being like you. It's got to be something otherworldly and spiritual, hasn't it? No, says Jesus. You need my blood and you need my flesh if you're going to answer this one. And they really think now he's going into crazy territory. That's not an answer that somebody educated can accept. That's not something intellectually satisfying. This weird Jesus... This strange preacher who has all the kind of sick and the dirty and the filth of society going to. He's, doesn't, it's not something we're going to want to put in a book. It's not what we're looking for. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Are we looking for satisfaction in ever-increasing money? Are there cars or phones or houses or anything else we can imagine getting our hands on? that would just make that difference, that would just tip us over into, yeah, I've made it, I'm happy now. Uh, Japan in the 1990s was booming economically. When you go to Japan, people always say, oh, there's 
90s, those were the happy days. Everybody was getting a good job and it was paid well, and the house price, well, I suppose the house price everywhere are probably going up, but the house price in Tokyo were going crazy. But did it bring happiness? No, it, it has, as a country, and still has, one of the highest suicide rates in the world. People got more and more money, and they were killing themselves more and more. No, Jesus says, uh, that won't work. Nor will working, whether it's Muslims or Hindus or Buddhists or any other religion in the world. Millions of people are traveling to Mecca. They're doing works for the poor. They're fasting. They're reading the right books. They're getting up at the crack of dawn to pray. And again, there's much good in that. But Jesus says it won't satisfy it's not what you're looking for. If God does a miracle and heals somebody or speaks to somebody in an audible voice or wakes them up in the middle of the night, then that's great and that can be a great blessing. But is that on its own what is going to keep us from anxiety? It's going to keep us going in the middle of the night. That's going to give us real joy in the end. That's going to give us satisfaction that won't go away. Do we just maybe not like the look of Jesus? Do we want a solution that's more mysterious or more intelligent or that requires a little bit more argument that not everybody can understand? Is it embarrassing that Jesus came in weakness and calls us to suffer? Do we dream of a different Jesus who wants to forgive, who is always loving, but doesn't call us to leave behind our sexual identity or our greed or sometimes even our friends and family. If you're not a Christian this morning and you're not sure that Jesus is what you're looking for, then don't waste your life always waiting for a different savior or chasing money or relationships or philosophy or any of these things because they're not going to satisfy in the end. Only Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, can do that. And seek him out because he'll give you everything you need. There's real satisfaction there. It's the real thing. So, I'm sorry, it's a bit distracting. I've realized I'm still wearing a name badge from a different event, so I'll just take that off. But today's uh, second point is what will satisfy us. I think we've already answered that, but let's look at it in more detail. Because as a church, you know the answer to that. And it's crazy, isn't it? Because the thing we're looking for is Jesus himself. Uh, recently, I don't know whether you saw it, but there were a lot of people who uh, were looking for the Loch Ness Monster. Maybe some of you don't know about the Loch Ness Monster. If you don't, then there's a lake in Scotland where they say they've seen a thing that's maybe a dinosaur that's popped its head out years ago, and now everybody looks for this uh, monster in the lake. So they were up there with cameras, and they had some new special sound recording equipment in the hope of, of seeing it. And if it popped up really clearly, it sort of show, showed its head and waved its fin, then they'd be saying, wouldn't they, look, it's here. Here it is. Come, come and have a look. Come and get the, the footage before it's gone. We found what satisfies the human soul. Are we shouting about Jesus? Are we saying that? Are we celebrating Jesus this morning? Are we out there saying, I'm sure you are. Are we out there saying, here it is. Here's what you're looking for. Uh, listen to what Jesus said again, uh, verse 35 of chapter 6. 
Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Believe in Jesus. Follow him as Lord and you will be fully satisfied. If you've not done that this morning, just put your burden down. Stop looking for things that won't satisfy and follow the one thing that is everything you need. But um, how does Jesus satisfy us? Well, verse 40, he gives us eternal life. He gives life that lasts forever. And he'll raise us up on the last day. When Jesus comes to judge the earth, we'll come back in real bodies and walk this earth again. Uh, without Jesus, what is our future? Without him, uh, when we meet God face to face, what's he going to think about the real us? Uh, what's he going to think about our lies and our lusting and our bitterness and our jealousy and the things that we say in here that don't come out of our mouths? What's he going to think about the way we've ignored him? And even, yeah, even if we've seen him uh, in what's been made, we've lived as if he's not there. Is it heaven or hell uh, if we're without Jesus and we meet God face to face? But Jesus says, believe in me, and I'll be there on that day. You'll have not eternal death and punishment, but eternal life. You'll be raised up into a new body. And Jesus isn't just talking about the future here, though. Uh, and we can see that uh, in verse 27, where he says, work for food that keeps going until eternal life, which I'll give you if you believe. That's the eternal life that Jesus gives us. It starts now, and it goes on forever. If you live with Jesus as your Lord and you walk with God as your Father, look at the difference it makes. You could stack up money for your future uh, to make yourself safe. The truth is we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know what will happen this afternoon. But he does. And he loves us. And he wants to walk with us into the future. You could become a monk or a nun and try and live a holy life. But he says, what you could do will never be holy enough on your own. If you believe, you're forgiven and you're made holy. We say, I want a different kind of saviour. He says, I'm everything that you need. So satisfaction in Jesus is crazy, but it's also crazy in its mechanics. It's crazy in the way it works. Uh, I don't know whether you've seen them, but I used to like those cross-section books where you open it up and it's got like a ship chopped in half and you can look at the kitchen and the engine and there's people walking around and you can see how it all works inside. And that's great because you look in there and you think, oh, that makes sense. I never thought it was like that, but that makes sense. But Jesus starts to talk about what he's going to do for people from verse 40 and they think it doesn't make sense. They think it's crazy. It's Passover time, the Jewish festival. The Jews are looking back on their history and they're hearing about how God saved them in the desert by giving them miraculous bread that came down in the morning from heaven. And Jesus says, to get this wonderful eternal life, you've got to feed on me. What? To be raised on the last day, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Are you completely crazy? 
But that wasn't all they remembered on the Passover. They remembered lambs killed by the Israelites to save them from Egypt. God sent his angel to kill in Egypt and said to the Israelites, on the day my angel comes, you can live and not die by killing the lamb and putting its blood on the door. So Jesus said, you want to see a real Passover? That was just a shadow of what God really wanted to reveal. Now you're going to be saved from eternal death into eternal life by my death, by my blood uh, and my flesh. And of course, he's talking about the cross. He'd always said he was going to die on the cross. His disciples heard it many times. It wasn't until after they really understood what it was about. He'd always said he was going to be raised on the third day. And sure enough, even though he'd done nothing wrong, he was the one person who really wasn't a criminal. They arrested him as a criminal and killed him. And God said, even before Jesus was born, that he would die for us in this way, in our place, and take the punishment we deserve. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will be forgiven and saved from hell for heaven. They'll get eternal life. His perfect life for our complete failure. We've just got to eat and drink of him. Which means getting in there with what happened on the cross. It means saying, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Uh, please forgive me and save me. I should be there on that cross, but you went there for me. I want to live uh, with you as Lord. This is crazy, isn't it? Uh, who... If you're going to make something up, you wouldn't make that up, would you? But it's God's wonderful solution for a wonderful life that lasts forever. And our final uh, shorter point this morning is, isn't that wonderful? Let's think about that for a minute. God gave us his only son to give us life. He said, I am the bread of life. Come and feed on me. Somehow we'd love it if we could satisfy our thirst in life with something we could do, wouldn't we? To pray or to go somewhere, to build a wonderful cathedral if we had enough money. And that would make us feel good for a bit. But it wouldn't work in the end. We simply need Jesus, the bread of life, as our Lord. Uh, on the cross, he did everything we need to have a wonderful new life. And that's wonderful to us because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how far you've gone down roads you didn't want to go down and roads you shouldn't have gone down. You can be forgiven and have life through Jesus. Uh, it's wonderful for the young men we see in Japan who've fallen out of society uh, and are struggling with mental health problems. It's wonderful for Japanese people who are trying to honor their ancestors and keep their memory alive and feel that they're around them, affecting what's going on, but they have no hope for their own death. It's wonderful for all of us, isn't it? For the people that we meet every day, the people we work with, our friends and our family. Uh, because all people deep down are thirsting for satisfaction, aren't they? Real life. They want to know where it is. But it's in Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Uh, and when we go and share the good news of Jesus, we're saying, oh, here is life. Here it is. Here's real, satisfied life that lasts forever. And let's do that uh, together here in Thatcham and in Newbury. Uh, and let's continue partnering together uh, to do that in Japan. Uh, let me pray.
Father God, we uh, thank you that in Jesus you've given us what we need, Lord. People are thirsting for thousands of years to know real life, to know eternal life, to know that you are completely happy with them, to know that they could be made holy and ready for eternity. And you've given us that great privilege, Lord, in the Lord Jesus. So thank you. We praise you. We pray as we hold that out here uh, in Thatcham and Newbury and uh, in Japan and wherever else we might go, that we'll be excited about that. We'll think that that's wonderful. Um, and you'll give us great boldness in sharing that. We thank you as we come towards communion as well, that we can literally feed on the... Uh, bread and drink the wine and remember what you did for us on the cross. Thank you. Amen.